Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Curiosity.com. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn about how you might be breathing wrong with science journalist James Nestor. But first, you'll learn about the surprising way spiders spin their webs in zero gravity. Let's satisfy some curiosity. So there are tons of stringent requirements to become an astronaut, but comfort with insects isn't usually one of them. That is, except when it came to the crews NASA sent up to the ISS in 2008 and 2011. That's because their cargo contained some special spiders and the flies they feed on. The spiders went to space to answer a relatively simple question. On Earth, spiders' webs are slightly asymmetrical, with the center ring near the upper edge. The spiders also sit with their heads facing down, since gravity helps them make a quick drop on any unlucky prey. But what happens when you put them in space with no gravity? NASA first attempted this experiment in 2008 with two arachnots from different species. One spider was considered the main specimen while the other was just a backup. Well, the backup spider apparently got jealous because it broke free and crawled into the main chamber with its companion. The two spiders got in each other's way and spun jumbled webs. If that weren't enough, the flies brought along as spider food bred faster than expected. Larvae crawled out of storage to join the party in the experimental chamber and reproduced so rapidly that after a month, you couldn't even see the spiders. So scientists got a do-over in 2011 and were determined to get it right. This time, they used four spiders from the same species. Two flew to space in separate habitats, and two were kept on Earth under identical conditions, except for, you know, gravity. The do-over wasn't perfect either. Scientists originally planned to use four females, but later realized two were male. But luckily, only one male had gone to space, so it was still an apples-to-apples, or spiders-to-spiders, comparison. So, the experiment began. The spiders spun their webs, dismantled them, and started again as cameras snapped still pics of the action every five minutes. In the end, the space spiders' webs were more symmetrical than their terrestrial friends. The center rings were closer to the true center of the web. They didn't sit with their heads down either. But here's the really surprising thing. Light made a difference. When the researchers analyzed the nearly 15,000 images, They found that the zero-gravity spiders always faced away from the light above their enclosure when it was on, but sat in a random orientation when it was off. Same goes for the webs they spun. They were more asymmetrical when the light was on. That suggests that when spiders don't have gravity to orient themselves, they can use a light source as a backup. It seems weird that spiders would have an adaptation for living without gravity, doesn't it? The researchers figure that all the movement of spinning a web makes spiders' gravity sensors go all topsy-turvy anyway, so it makes some sense that they'd be able to use something else for orientation when that fails. Whether they can use that adaptation to weave pig-themed messages in their webs? Well, we'll just have to do another experiment to find out. Some experiment? I don't get it! (laughs) Is that a Charlotte's Web quote? Pig-themed messages in their webs? Some pig? Some pig? Some pig is like the thing. Oh, that's that's some pig. Yeah. Is that is that the thing? Yeah. Some experiment. You said it you said it kind of like some experiment. <laughs> like it's more like some experiment. Fine. Some experiment. 
No, I didn't like that. <laughs> what if I told you that you could blame snoring, sleep apnea, mouth breathing, and crooked teeth all on the same evolutionary changes? That'd be pretty surprising, wouldn't it? Well, I don't have to tell you that because today's guest is going to do it for me. James Nestor is a science journalist and author of the book Breath, The New Science of a Lost Art. And our conversation with him was one of the most mind-blowing interviews we've done in a while. Right, Ashley? It really was. The premise of the book is that the act of breathing has untold benefits that have been overlooked by science. And most of us are doing it wrong. But how can we be doing something as simple as breathing all wrong? Here's James to explain. So to be clear, we are breathing wrong. And we can see that very clearly by looking at ancient skulls and comparing them to modern skulls. Modern humans are the only species probably in the history of all life on earth to have chronically crooked teeth. 400 years ago, our ancestors had uniformly straight teeth. And if you don't believe me, you can go look at ancient skulls. I spent months looking at ancient skulls and labs at University of Pennsylvania and elsewhere. So the problem with having crooked teeth is you have too small of a mouth. Your mouth isn't big enough to accommodate all those teeth, so they grow and crooked. There's another problem with that. You have a smaller airway. And this is one of the main reasons so many of us suffer from snoring and sleep apnea and other respiratory issues. So this is known stuff. This is not controversial, but just so few people in the general public, including myself, had ever heard of this before. And this is why so many infants right now and kids are suffering from sleep apnea and snoring and why they're having neurological and developmental issues because of that, because they can't breathe right. And that causes all kinds of problems. What are we doing to fix it? So what dentists and orthodontists are doing right now is they are trying to diagnose dysfunctional breathing very early on. And there are various technologies that they are now using to return our mouths to the way they were supposed to have been before we messed them up with industrialization. So what has caused the chronically small human mouth and what has caused all of these changes in the past few hundred years is environmental inputs, pollution, very soft foods, industrialized mush, mush foods, and improper oral posture. So if you are walking around with your mouth open all the time, your face will actually grow differently. You will influence the skeleture of your face if your mouth is open all the time. And this, this is stuff that is widely known. It's so known that it's called adenoid face. That is the term that's used for it. So I didn't know any of this stuff and I was victim to all of this stuff. You know, I was a mouth breather growing up. I had braces, I had extractions, all of that. And I think I, I suffered from some downstream breathing issues because of it. And that's another reason I was so curious in the subject. What is it about modern humans that makes them keep their mouth open more than ancient humans, though? Well, I mean, you're looking at pollution, you're looking at allergens, you're looking at a bunch of different clothes that people wear that make deep, easy breathing, very difficult corsets, belts, tight clothing. You are looking at hereditary issues right now. So these small mouths are becoming heritable traits. We can see this in fetuses now that they have this retronathic growth that fetuses 200, 300 years ago did not have. So all of this has happened so quickly, right at the dawn of mass industrialization is when this stuff kicked in. And there are so many x-rays, so many CAT scans, so many skulls proving this. I was just talking to Dr. Kevin Boyd, who has spent 
two decades researching this stuff. And he's the one who really turned me on to this very strange area of research. James, uh, how... How have I not heard of any of this? <laughs> this all seems like a really big deal. Um, and uh, like, it should just be front page news everywhere. Like, what's the deal? <laughs> well, um, you know, uh, when you are a journalist, when you write nonfiction, you write a book proposal. And that book proposal is about 50 to 60 pages. I spent about six months on this book proposal on, on breathing. And I thought, oh, I got this thing figured out. It wasn't until about a year into my research that I, figured out this deeper story that was so many layers deep. I did not believe it, okay, because it seemed so outrageous because I had always learned that evolution was progressive, that we were always growing faster and stronger and leaner and better. That is complete garbage. That is not how evolution works. Evolution means change over time and life forms can change for the better or for worse. And humans are changing in many ways that are not advantageous to our long-term survival on this planet. If you don't believe me, just go look around. Harvard anthropologist Daniel Lieberman coined this term disevolution because that's what's happening to us. Breathing is taking one of the biggest hits of this. And there are various academics studying this. They've been studying this for a long time. It's just a lot of people haven't been listening. If you need further proof, again, just look at ancient skulls, look at their teeth, look at modern skulls, look at their teeth, or look at any animal in the wild, 5,400 different mammals. They all have perfectly straight teeth. Again, that was James Nestor, a science journalist and author of the book, Breath, The New Science of a Lost Art. You can find a link to pick it up in the show notes. And James will be back tomorrow with a few tips on how to breathe better. All right. Well, let's recap the main things we learned today. We learned that in zero gravity, spiders use the nearest light source to orient themselves when they spin their webs. It only took NASA one do-over to figure this out after their first experiment didn't go super smoothly. And before we get emails, it is technically microgravity, not <laughs> zero gravity. Because on the ISS, you're still, there's still gravity involved. There's just a whole lot less of it. But the press release and the paper both use zero gravity. So we went with that. There you go. All about accuracy here. All about it. And we also learned that humans are evolving to breathe wrong. Your mouth will actually grow differently if you walk around with your mouth open. And we might actually be doing that more because of pollution, the clothing we wear, or other things that have happened because of mass industrialization. But either way, disevolution is a thing, and it's why we may actually be breathing worse than our ancestors. And I feel like this is another one before we get emails. <laughs> Disevolution is kind of a strange term because, you know, like James Nestor said, evolution doesn't go in one particular direction. So to say that it's going in the wrong direction is kind of weird. But this was actually a term that an expert used to describe it. So it's fine. Right. Koopa made people de-evolve in the Super Mario Brothers movie. See, but that's wrong. That's like exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> nope, that's right. And before you start writing with your emails, yes, Super Mario Brothers was a good movie. Don't at me. <laughs> Highly entertaining. Goomba. Go Goomba. I need to watch that again. It's been a really long time. I own it on DVD. You can borrow it. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. This was one of those interviews, though, I got to say, where the whole time our jaws are dropped and we're like, we kind of had to check each other and be like, 
is is this is this pseudoscience? Like, is this all real? And it's all real. He's got like a zillion sources, and it's all it's all right. Before I ever reached out to James, I went to his website, and there, like on the homepage, is just a list of citations, just a huge list of scientific studies and papers and books that all say what he's saying. It's uh, it's pretty incredible because he knows we talked to him about it. He's just like, I know people aren't going to believe this. I am going to just put this all out there like this is all real science. So, yeah, look forward to our conversation tomorrow because there's even more great stuff. Definitely. Today's first story was written by Steffi Drucker and edited by Ashley Hammer, who's the managing editor for Curiosity Daily. Today's episode was produced and edited by Cody Goff. Take a deep breath, join us again tomorrow, and learn something new in just a few minutes. And until then, stay curious. Stay curious.